You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Wednesday, and in these episodes, Sangram and myself, James Carberry, focus on personal development. We'll share books and other resources that are helping us get a little bit better every single day. And remember, like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Flip My Funnel. I'm Sangram, the co-founder of Terminus and founder of the Flip My Funnel, and excited, stoked to be partnering with our friends with Demandian Report uh, for B2B sales and marketing exchange for the second year in a row. The medium is certainly different, but our goal remains the same to unite marketing and sales, one team, and reach your team's goal for 2021. We have a great day of sessions lined up. So let me just give you a sneak peek into it so you know which sessions to attend, especially on the Flip My Funnel track. First, Ricardo Gonzalez, he's the author and founder of CEO of Bilingual America. He will break down how cultural relevance speaks to people's tendency to buy from the heart instead of their head. It's really, really interesting. And if you're in marketing or sales, this is a session you don't want to miss to have an idea into people's mind. All right. Second, right after that, Daniel Ingerbertson, he's the co-founder of Kronos, and we'll be exploring the five most common roadblocks that wreak havoc on ABM programs. You'll walk away with actionable tips and diagnosis of what's working and why certain things may not be working. And after a quick networking break around 3 p.m., we'll come back for two more sessions. The first will feature all-star panel of ABM experts. So they'll be talking about what's happening and then what is the business outcome with ABM look like. And after that, two award-winning ABMers will sit down to chat about a topic not often addressed in ABM strategy conversations. And here's the question, how to actually leverage your tech stack for making your ABM dreams come true. Oh, I'm going to be waiting for that one. So again, a quick note, then in the middle of our day at 3 p.m. Eastern, specifically, we have time for one-to-one meeting lined up. So please take the time to look at uh, our different networking options and including a B2B and B2B MX experts, mentors. I mean, that is a really great place for you to connect with the up and coming marketers. And if you want to connect with other people, that's a great session to be part of and do that one-to-one networking. And at 4.30 Eastern, we will close out the day with a stellar keynote. So stay tuned for that. And don't forget, this event is all about you. So take advantage of all the content and networking that comes along with it. You have the power to hop in and out of all these different tracks. So I I think you would really love that. And then finally, sit back. I feel like I'm I'm, I'm like a pilot right now just telling you, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. That's what I want you to do. Welcome to How to Sell More to More People Through Culture. This is going to be fascinating. I think you're going to enjoy this a lot. There's going to be some really, really compelling and interesting stories, things that are going to open windows for you as you now uh, embark on selling more to people of different cultures and diverse cultures, something that every sales professional and every marketer needs to master uh, in the world that we're living in today. Culture is the soil from which all things grow. And if you want to grow your business, you want to grow your revenues, then learn to work with culture. What is 
culture? That's the foundational question. Because if we don't know what culture is, and frankly, most people don't, then we're going to have an incredibly hard time working with it. Culture is the aggregate of five different elements. And the first element is beliefs. This is where it starts. It all starts with what we believe. Every culture has a defined set of beliefs. And those beliefs then take us to the second, and that is values. Our beliefs drive our values, and values just simply means what's important to us. Now, if I don't know what's important to my clients <laughs> from a cultural standpoint, I'm going to have a really hard time selling to them. And then that takes me to norms, which are the expectations within a culture. We all know as salespeople that uh, our clients have expectations. Well, different people from different cultures have different expectations, different norms. And then every culture has symbols. And companies have logos, teams have logos, uh, religions have crosses and menorahs and uh, all kinds of different things. But there are other symbols within a culture, like a flag, for example. Uh, a flag many times can be used very, very well in marketing if it's used properly. Uh, but also things like food and, and, and music and dress, these are all symbols of a culture. And then lastly, language. If we don't use the language of the people, not only will they not understand us, we won't understand them, which will mean there's a huge disconnect. Now, that may be Spanish, English, German, French, Russian, Hindi, but it also may be the way a specific subculture speaks with one another. It might be that nuance, okay? So beliefs, values, norms, symbols, and language. Okay? How do we sell more to more people? through culture? And the answer is by applying the six stages of cultural sales. In other words, there is a very specific process that we apply to selling and marketing and branding in cultures different from our own. Now, I wrote a book uh, a few years back called The Six Stages of Cultural Mastery. And that book was specifically designed for leaders to teach them to uh, transform their cultural mindset and skill set. It helped them that they could learn to connect and to create and to collaborate. And I would really encourage you uh, to pick up a copy of the Six Stages of Cultural Mastery because it will only make your work with the Six Stages of Cultural Sales that much easier. Okay, it will set the foundations. The Six Stages of Cultural Sales is the process to transform your approach to sales and marketing. There are six stages. And the first stage is contemplate. Now, all of them begin with the letter C. And maybe you want to just think in terms of C for cash, right? Um, but contemplate. And then the second one is connect. And the third one is to create. So the first stage of cultural sales is contemplate, then connect, then create. And then the fourth is to campaign. The fifth is to close, which is where we all want to get, but where we really should want to get is stage six, where we celebrate. And you'll understand this better in just a moment. I want to give you one broad overarching principle that you must get or you'll fail in your work with people of diverse cultures. And that is the principle of cultural relevance. 
I always like to say, if it's not culturally relevant, it's not relevant. Okay. If it's not culturally relevant, it's not relevant. Now, all of us know Ronald McDonald, the happy face, right? Well, McDonald's made a mistake in cultural relevance when they expanded into Japan. And it was a sad mistake because McDonald's did not recognize and did not understand that the white face in Japan is a symbol of death. Toronto, Canada, the city put out some culturally relevant uh, social distancing campaigns. Do your part, stay apart. Well, how do you know that you're far enough apart? Three Canadian geese. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's culturally relevant. And Damon John, uh, who we know from Shark Tank, was the founder of FUBU. Uh, FUBU means for us, by us. It was essentially urban uh, wear for African-American men. And Damon John understood the importance of cultural relevance and reaching a very specific target market. FUBU, for us, by us. So take all of those lessons now And keep that just kind of tucked away as we move into the six stages, okay? Stage one is contemplate. You must accurately define your cultural target market. First stage, stage one, don't just start selling. Don't just start marketing. Step back, pause, think, consider, educate yourself. You must accurately define your cultural target market. And you must proactively define your cultural target market. Okay, so you must accurately define it and you must proactively define it, which means you must choose. We don't have the bandwidth. None of us have the bandwidth to reach all peoples. There are millions of subcultures around the world, literally millions. I want you to think about this. So some people will say, well, I want to reach the Hispanic market. Well, what does that mean? Is it a monolithic market? We're from 22 different countries, 23 if you add in the United States, which has the third largest Spanish-speaking group of people in the world. Do you mean Puerto Ricans? Do you mean Cubans? Do you mean uh, Mexicans? Do you mean people from Peru? Do you mean Chileans? Do you mean Venezuelans? Do you mean Colombians? Who do you mean? Because it's not one group of people. You could do the same thing with the black race. It's very different to market and sell to a person from Nigeria or a person from Ghana uh, or the Sudan uh, as it is to an African-American from the inner city of America. Race does not necessarily create culture. Okay. There are multiple cultures with any given race. Okay. So you must contemplate and you must accurately and proactively define your cultural target market. Now, that is an exercise in education, (laughs) okay? And you must learn. You must be a learner if you're going to get really good at this. So stage one, uh, here's some barriers, okay? First barrier to stage one contemplate is speed to market. Many of us pride ourselves on being first to the market or getting speed to market or getting things done or, you know, we even have things like speed of trust, like, you know, developing trust quickly and in our culture. And so these very low context cultures like mainstream American business culture, uh, which really is really moves quickly and it's prides itself on how quickly it can change and adapt. But speed to market can be one of your biggest barriers because you won't take the time to accurately understand a cultural market that you want to move into. 
Another uh, barrier is too many choices. I mentioned this already. There are literally millions of subcultures in the world. I go into depth in this, in the, in the book, The Six Stages of Cultural Sales, to give a much deeper understanding of this. But for right now, suffice it to say, there are a lot of choices. And there are many, many cultures in which you can do very, very well from a business standpoint. You have to learn to pick the right one. Okay. And then the lack of cultural intelligence. Okay. If we don't know about these cultures, then it's going to be really hard to choose correctly. Okay. Uh, So these are barriers to the contemplate stage. Now, the next example, I want to give you an example. And this example is a bit sensitive, but I, I do this because it's also a bit extreme. And I want you to see how over a hundred year old company can make a mistake moving into a new market and without really thinking through perhaps what even their name might mean, which of course is branding, in a new market. The Toto uh, company, which makes um, bathroom um, toilets and sinks and bidets and um, these types of things. Um, I have seen from time to time their, um, their accessories in the Dominican Republic, but the brand itself does not do well in the Dominican Republic. And there's a reason. And that is because colloquially, and again, this is a bit culturally sensitive, but one thing that I'm convinced of is that if we are not mature enough to be able to talk about uh, perhaps even culturally sensitive things in respectful ways, then we're not going to get very far. We have to learn uh, to be able to work through these things. The word Toto in the Dominican Republic um, on the street means a, a woman's vagina. And you can see the branding problem of having a toilet, the very word for the brand for the toilets to be associated with that part of the female anatomy. It's a horrible, horrible branding problem. Back in 1957, there was a great deal of anti-Japanese sentiment. We had just gone through World War II, you know, what, 12 years before that had ended. And the Toyota company, Um, founded by the Toyota family with a D, right, decided that they were going to expand into America. Well, this was the first uh, Japanese car maker to expand into America. And they did it against all odds because, honestly, um, the big three automakers certainly didn't want a Japanese company here. And the American populace had a very strong anti-Japanese sentiment from a cultural standpoint due to the war. But they came and they opened this sales headquarters in Torrance, California. And they brought over this Crown Deluxe car that you're looking at on your screen. And it failed miserably. (laughs) It just failed miserably. That was 1957. Now, they were well-financed, so they were able to ride this out until they were able to launch the Toyota Corolla, which subsequently has become the best-selling car ever but it was about a seven-year period. Sometimes when we go into a new market, we will make that choice. We will contemplate that choice knowing full well it's going to be a really, really rough ride for a period of time. Now, I'm not sure the Toyota family knew what a rough ride it was going to be because it just bombed, okay? Multiple reasons why the car didn't work in the United States. But they were able to ride that out. If in your contemplation, you 
decide to move into a market because the upside potential is so great. Also be aware and do your homework that there may be some rough patches along the way. Okay. So stage one is contemplate. Really, really, honestly, think it through. Stage two is connect. We must learn to connect with people. So we must connect at deeply emotional levels. And the reason obviously is because people buy with their hearts, not their heads. Okay. So in, in the connect stage, we have to learn to connect with people at deep emotional levels. Now, again, I'll refer you back to the six stages of cultural mastery because that book really goes into detail as to how to do this. But in this step two or stage two, connecting, um, we have to recognize that connection is not skin deep. Okay. It's soul deep. Okay. So you have to learn in your cultural relationships to kind of get down into the level of the soul. Okay. Now there are some barriers and the first barrier is a fear of association. There are groups of people that many of us would like to sell to, but we really don't want to be part of those groups. I'll give you a great example. I know companies and I know people, salespeople, who are more than happy uh, to sell to people in the LGBTQ plus community, but they don't really want to be engaged with that community. They struggle with that. They're fine taking the dollars, but as far as really supporting and really engaging with that community, there's a, there's a fear of association sometimes that people have who move into different cultures, um, whether it's a, a community culture or whether it's a country culture, because maybe there are other people who, who don't see it as positively. And so there's this fear of association. Again, I talk about this a little bit more deeply in the book. Uh, second thing is pride. It's a barrier to connecting. Sometimes there are people, you've heard the adage, the ugly American who travels overseas. And, and, and that's coming from pride. That's coming from people who just, for some reason, they think their culture is better. And the third thing is this lack of confidence. Until we have good practice and meaningful practice engaging with people and really connecting with people, we'll have a lack of confidence. And that is actually quite normal. So if you feel a lack of confidence engaging with people of other cultures, that's okay. You can learn that. That's a skill uh, that can be learned. Now, uh, a few years back, I was doing some consulting. Um, the Oklahoma City um, football, soccer, soccer, professional soccer team, okay? Um, the energy is what it's called, Oklahoma City energy. It's kind of a Third, uh, what would we call this? It's a like a triple uh, A soccer team. It's right, be, but right beneath MLS. But they extended an invitation to Chivas. Chivas is one of the. It's from Mexico. Uh, you see there in the picture uh, the the red and blue stripes, and they're one of the most valuable brands in the world as it relates to soccer. A very very popular team in Mexico, uh, the football club of Guadalajara. Okay, and they invited, and they really thought that this would be a sellout quickly. But it wasn't. And there are a lot of Mexicans in the Oklahoma City and Tulsa area. And there was, a, there was a lack of understanding as to how to connect with that community. They, not that they didn't have some connections. And it's not that the sales force wasn't doing their best. They just lacked the right connection, right? And so I was called in actually to consult on that particular gig. And we were able to sell that out within a couple of weeks uh, after that, after teaching the salespeople some of the techniques of, um, of connecting. Okay. Uh, stage three is create. And that is 
uh, cultural creativity. We have to be very creative in our products and the services that we offer. But cultural creativity is based in cultural intelligence. Okay. And it also, uh, we have to create branding that's culturally relevant. So it's based in cultural intelligence, but it also has to be branding that's, you know, when we're creating and our products and our service it has to be things that are culturally relevant. You'll see this in just a minute. So uh, there are some barriers, of course. First barrier is tradition. Tradition. This is all we've always done it. But here's the thing about culture. Culture evolves, it changes, it shapes, it moves, right? And tradition can be a barrier to being creative and lack of knowledge. I always say to people, if you're not curious, you don't care. <laughs> okay. Well, you need to care because your revenues and your company and the growth of your company depend on this. All right. And fear. A lot of us are just Fear just really, really thwarts creativity. We're afraid to try something new. We're afraid that it could offend somebody. Well, that's why you have to learn cultural intelligence so that you don't have to fear those things, right? Fear. Now, there's this wonderful, just this incredibly creative company that sells soft drinks around the world. They have over 500 brands. Coca-Cola. And this uh, young lady is drinking Inca Cola. You can find it in the United States, but it's primarily sold uh, in Peru. That's the, um, that's the primary market for Inca Cola. And there are so many. I love, for example, um, Cuat, which is sold in Brazil, which is coming from a fruit. It's like a seed. It's a Guaraná seed. It's very popular in Brazil. Um, there's another one called Bombon Anglais, which is in, in, in Africa. And there's just so many. Coca-Cola is so creative with their brands. I want to encourage you to do the same with your products and services. Now, if you're selling a product or service or you're trying to market a product or service that you know is a loser, you know, take a hard look at it and be willing to be creative enough and don't fear making the necessary cultural changes to become culturally relevant so the product or service can succeed. Maybe it needs to be adjusted, tweaked, name change, visuals change. Remember, beliefs, values, norms, symbols, language, they have to line up, okay? So stage three is create and stage four is campaign. We're going to start wrapping up here a little bit, okay? You have to campaign. You have to promote, okay? Now, campaigns must be designed by a representative team. Okay. Now, you notice I didn't say it has to be designed by a diverse team. I said a representative team. Wherever you're campaigning to or whatever group of people you are creating campaigns for, you must have people who represent that culture as part of your marketing team or you're going to miss the mark. Okay. I always like to talk about the you know, people talk about the USP, the unique selling proposition. But I think in this world, we can talk about the cusp, and that is the culturally unique selling proposition. See, here's the thing. You can go into a culture, right? Um, Coca-Cola with Kuat is a great example of this because there's a drink that is native to Brazil called Antarctica. Guaraná is the same, it's the same base soda, but the, uh, the brand name is Antarctica. And Coca-Cola really was going in and competing with a national brand. 
So to do so, you have to have this culturally unique selling proposition because there are times you may move into a culture and you're competing directly with other people who are from within that culture. But you can always find things that make you culturally unique or ways that you can bring benefit to that culture, perhaps in ways that the other company or your competitor is not doing. So take a look at those things, okay? So let's take a look at some barriers here to campaigns. Number one, uh, just in different terminology, lack of cultural sensitivity, okay? Another one is a lack of diverse decision makers. That can really derail your campaigns in different cultures. And then poor timing. You just might have the wrong time, you know? You might just, it might be November 14th, and it's the start of Festival of Lights, and your product or service just didn't line up with that, and you weren't aware what was going on in the country. <laughs> you know, or you decided in the Dominican Republic to launch your product on the 27th of February and you had no idea that it's Independence Day. Poor timing, okay, can destroy a campaign. So get your timing right. You have to learn the culture well enough to do that. Now, H&M is a huge clothing manufacturer and sales, but take a look at this picture. I won't go into details here. I go into detail about this in, my, in the book, The Six Stages of Cultural Sales, but you can take a look at this picture and you can see putting a sweatshirt, a hoodie on a young black kid that says coolest monkey in the jungle was a horrible, horrible nightmare. Um, not only just created so much angst and anger and, and outrage with H&M. You know, this was not their first time of being culturally insensitive. One of the things that can clearly do, and, and this, this particular ad really cost them dearly, financially and also in, in goodwill with the public. Now we get to stage five, you have to close. You have to close, <laughs> okay? But here's the thing. Uh, always be closing, ABC, which is taught kind of a fundamental thing. Salespeople, ABC, always be closing. Uh, don't always be closing. There are many, many cultures in which if you're always trying to close, you're just going to get the door closed on you. And once that door is closed, you're done. And so don't always be closing, but always consider the ROR. And that is the return on relationships. Focus on the relationships because this is what will really produce the return on investment. Okay. Now, what are some of the barriers? Inflexibility. We just do it our way. I follow this tactic. <laughs> that doesn't work with multiple cultures. Impatience. I want to get this done quickly. Well, not everyone's on American time or your time. Okay. And imprudence. Sometimes we're just imprudent. We're just not really aligned with where that culture is. One of the great stories of sales is the expansion of Harley Davidson into Japan. You know, here's this kind of this badass motorcycle that we associate with gang members and, you know, motorcycle gangs and all this stuff, people with a bunch of tattoos and Harley Davidson expands into Japan. And, you know, it's a different market. It's an excellent story of how an organization can take their brand and expand it into another culture while honoring that new culture. Now, stage six, celebrate. We have closed. We have agreed on business. We have negotiated our deals. Um, and now we're going to celebrate together. Well, what does that mean? 
That means that we uh, have a relationship that we respect and admire, and we celebrate that relationship together. The close of that sale was the beginning. It was just, it wasn't the end of the relationship. It's the beginning of a long-term partnership, right? Um, We celebrate that relationship, which implies that we're going to invest together in the future. We're going to leave this cultural community better off than when we arrive. We're going to create wealth together. We're going to seek sustainability together so that not only do we benefit, but we celebrate together. So we want those people to become wealthy through their engagement with us as well. And I just want to encourage you, and I hope that the products and services that you sell into these communities will be actual good for these communities. Are there barriers to celebrating? Absolutely. First barrier is short-sightedness, otherwise known as uh, myopia. Another barrier, and this may surprise you, is sport mentality, and I'll explain in a minute. And then uh, there's classism. And I won't go into detail on classism right now, but in a lot of countries, the greater social tension is around the area of classism, not racism. Because you can be in countries where you have predominantly one race, but there are different classes within that country that separate the people uh, very, very clearly. Okay. But let's talk a little bit about short-sightedness. And that is, um, I don't see things very clearly in the distance. And so a barrier to celebrating and really celebrating the relationship and seeking to reinvest in the community and to work together to create wealth together beyond that close, right, is short-sightedness. It's just being myopic. Is it well? And there are salespeople who tend to move from one thing to the next rather than really just staying there and really working with their client and staying with that client, staying with that community. That's where the true wealth is, not just financially for you, but for the community as well. So I want to encourage you, don't be short-sighted. Don't stop at stage five. Get to stage six, okay? Celebrate together, invest together. And also a sport mentality. Now, this one might surprise you a little bit, but I want you to hear me out. Most C-suite executives, whether male or female, and actually the number is higher with females, have played competitive sports. And there's a reason for that, because people who like business is competitive. And to succeed in business, you have to know how to compete. To succeed in sales, you have to have a competitive nature. Okay? But there's a barrier here. And that barrier is that in, in sport, right? And I played sports, so I, I, I get this. Um, you know, I played baseball. I played basketball. I was very good. played university level in both. And I also have consulted for, I've consulted for the Atlanta Braves. I've consulted for some other uh, professional sport teams. And so I understand this. People are really good in sport. They, and they're very competitive. When they win one game, they want to play the next team. They want the next challenge. And that goes everything against what we're talking about with celebrate. Because when we celebrate the relationship, we stay together. And the sport mentality is a barrier because we want to move on. We want a new challenge. We want something different. Okay. And so be careful here. Think this through. So the six stages of cultural sales, 
contemplate, think it through, get deep cultural understanding and intelligence before you make a determination as to which group of people to uh, really attempt to work with. Secondly, connect. And then third, create with them and create for them in culturally relevant ways. Campaign in ways that are culturally uh, intelligent and sensitive and relevant um, with products and services that are created for that group of people. and Close, but close in intelligent ways and close with patience and allow people to, to lead you down that path a bit as well. Learn their culture and learn the way they do business. And then most important, let's celebrate together. Let's create uh, wealth building and sustainable relationships together where the communities that we uh, decide to work in are better off because we entered those uh, communities. And those are the six stages of cultural sales. If you would like to connect with me, you want to go deeper on this. We go a lot deeper. We have courses and we certainly have my books and stuff. But here's my LinkedIn address. It's just linkedin.com forward slash Ricardo Gonzalez one. And I want to thank the uh, B2B, uh, right? The B2B uh, SMX um, conference for allowing me this honor to be able to share this thought with you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.